Exactly two weeks from today, the Pirates will be boarding a charter flight for St. Louis to open their 134th season. I am here to tell you they aren't ready. Good morning. Good Thursday morning to you. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the newly reborn DK Sports Radio, our podcasting platform that's available to you everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast. Apple really dominates our field, but we put ourselves in all of them anyway to make it convenient for you and hopefully for you to get automatic downloads. That does us a big favor and the business a big favor. The Pirates could use a big favor in the form of probably another two weeks to prepare. I'm not kidding. Yesterday marked the second day that we as reporters were allowed inside PNC Park to watch. And understand when I say this, it's not with the tiniest tinge of criticism of Derek Shelton, Don Kelly, the people who are organizing uh, everything that's happening on the field right now. But their hands are so tied. As we watch, they go out in separate sessions in smaller groups, some throwing, some hitting, some infield. There's some cage work going on that we can't see because we're not permitted on the lower uh, concourse. There's some bullpen work that we can see out beyond center field, but we don't see all of the mound activity. But what we're not seeing at all is baseball. And I can't stress this enough. Sim games, if you've heard this term, if you're paying attention to baseball, particularly in the past week, you've probably heard it a lot, uh, obviously short for simulated games. They're anything but. They're not exhibitions. They're not scrimmages. A sim game is basically a pitcher facing a batter who's standing there in shorts, primarily functioning as what is known in baseball as a stand-in. He's doing stand-ins. He's just standing in. He's seeing pitches, which every hitter will tell you helps their process, but he's not really doing anything. He's watching. There's, There's an occasional swing or a hack, but you're not seeing a whole lot of contact, much less solid contact. There are sometimes fielders. Poor Gregory Polanco had an actual shift put on for him in the last sim game at bat that I saw before having to leave the place last night. But there's not a lot of that either. It's just a bunch of outfielders standing out there uh, looking more like they're shagging than anything else. That's it. Now, I understand the Pirates are operating under greater constraints than other teams because of the Allegheny County Ordinance that forced them to kind of split up uh, their sessions into smaller groups and everything. But at some point soon, they need to get to actual baseball. They need to get to actual uh, hitting, running, stealing, gloving, throwing, catching, everything uh, that happens only in the course of a game, of an actual game. If they don't, they're going to be in a position where they're far behind. And when you look at the fact that they're opening up against uh, arguably the two toughest teams in their division, in the Cardinals and the Brewers, that doesn't bode well. That doesn't bode well. They need to get busy. They also have to go out there and 
get settled. They have to start settling what that lineup is going to be. Start letting that lineup compete, even if it's just intra-squad scrimmages. Get the feel of what it's like to bat behind so-and-so or ahead of somebody else. See who is going to be that DH. See who reacts best to coming off the bench. Hint, hint, it's Jose Osuna, he added in giant parentheses. See who these players are. See who responds the best in certain situations. Here's another one. Let's see how they respond to some of the different rule changes. I'm not just talking about the coronavirus ones, although I did happen to catch a pitcher who I'll leave his name out who went spitting in one direction. Um, That's going to get you a warning in the regular season. Let's see them go out there in games and avoid licking their fingers and whatever else violates the various uh, coronavirus protocols that have been put in place for all teams. Let's also see how they handle even something as silly, which they're going to have to practice as starting an inning with a man on second base. And you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who've been paying attention, a lot of people aren't aware of this yet. But this season, for the first time ever in the majors you're going to see extra innings begin, all of them, with a runner standing at second. True thing. They've been doing it in the minor leagues. Um, It's been tested. It definitely cuts down on the length of games. It changes the way you pitch. It changes the way you keep the runner close. It changes your decisions about who you face and choose to avoid in a lineup. Think about this. Let's say you open the inning... Uh, you're facing the Reds, and there's a runner at second base for Cincinnati, and Joey Votto's up. Now, Joey Votto, you know for a fact, is going to try to work a walk. It's just what he does. It's actually something that some people, uh, old school people, naively still rip him for, which is incredible. All he's doing is getting on base. the best thing a hitter can do. But Votto's going to try to work a walk. If he does that, he gets on first and you set yourself up for a double play. Is that a better situation for your team? Because you're now in all likelihood going to let that lead runner go to third, but it'll be third with two outs. Do you really play for a double play? Is the percentage high enough for that? Who's batting behind Votto? Is he a slow runner who's likely to uh, ground into a double play? I don't know. I mean, these are... uh, these are these are tough questions. When you get down to, you know, some of the changes that are in place, DH, uh, that that runner at second, and other things like that, it's going to be a challenge for a manager. Here's what Shelton had to say about this: the adjustments of the rules. I think as we move forward and as my managerial career continues, there's going to be adjustments to the rules, and we're all going to have to adjust to it and, and learn how to do it. The DH isn't really that much of an issue for me, just because of the fact that I'd spent 15 years in in the American League. Uh, at the big league level and the runner at second, nobody knows. And again, you know, that's why I kind of feel fortunate that we have Rebello on our staff and again, spent a ton of time talking to him. He has managed in those games. Like we talked about yesterday, we're talking amongst our, amongst our staff uh, to get different ideas. I've talked to the players about it. You know, I've, I've sent them home with homework assignments of like, think about what would happen in this situation if you're on the field and how we should adjust. And it's amazing how many different thought processes you get during this. So we're just going to continue to go with what's given to us and and take it day by day. 
there's another one too that uh, he didn't mention. But relievers now, when they come into a game, can't just do the one-out thing and then leave. So managers can keep switching back and forth, which really ought to be a move that is named, uh, even if it's no longer allowed to exist posthumously in honor of Tony La Russa. No, Tony La Russa is not dead. I'm referring to the act of going out there and changing pitchers constantly. That's going to be an adjustment too. These are things that we're going to have a chance to see develop over the next couple weeks but i'm saying this again now it's just a couple weeks it's gonna be really strange everyone keeps talking about the empty ballparks and the stuff like that i am telling you right now based on a couple days that i've spent at pnc park that the strangest element to baseball when it comes back is that teams will not be ready to play. Not just the Pirates, any of them. And you know who in particular is going to be behind? And if I miss on this, I'll miss big time because I'm ready to commit to this. Hitters will be way behind. I have seen some really mediocre to sub-mediocre pitchers who should not be getting bad, clumsy swings out of anyone getting bad, clumsy swings out of hitters who are way better than them. And when you're down at regular spring training, you can see these things balance themselves out over time. It starts off, the pitchers have the advantage, and then the hitters kind of take over in the early part of March. And then there's a nice balance right when a season starts because baseball has a rhythm. It has an annual rhythm. It's like a season in and of itself or a changing of seasons. None of that's in play right now, my friends. None of it. And trust me, this is going to be the weirdest part of Pirates versus Cardinals, then Pirates versus Brewers. It won't be, you know, cardboard cutouts and everything else. It's going to be the baseball itself. I could see a scenario where it'll take teams as long as a month to be the best version of themselves. And a month is half of the season. All the more reason, I should add, that the Pirates would do really well to step on the gas right off the bat because the second half of their schedule is significantly lighter than the first half. When we come back, more ball. Welcome back. It's been a fun couple of days over at PNC Park. Learned a lot, seen a lot, absorbed an awful lot in the intangible sense. It's been good to be back over there. But as I mentioned in the first segment, there's a lot of changes and things are really kind of out of whack, if you will. I'm not going to do a very good job of describing that uh, here today. It, it's it's tough if you're not there to know exactly what I'm experiencing. I'm trying. I'm trying. I tried in the first segment. I've tried in print. Um, it's not easy. It's, it's very, very different. Um, I described it to my wife in the car after I, I left last night as being simultaneously uplifting and unsettling. 
it's it's both of those things at the same time. Like you're happy to see baseball again, but at the same time, seeing it the way it is and seeing the masks and the bandanas and everybody being so careful and the small sessions and the not really baseball, they need to play baseball to reiterate from the first segment. And this is going to continue. Um, this isn't going to go away. Every time a player is missing for a day or even for a pregame, we're going to be wondering if that player has either been diagnosed with coronavirus or has a late test or whatever it is. And that's just going to be life. And at the same time, uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Association have an agreement that no name is to be released or divulged for anyone without the player's permission. Last week, when the Pirates had their first positive tests among players, Blake Cedarland, the hard, hard throwing relief prospect, wait till you see this kid pitch, and Socrates Brito, a uh, journeyman outfielder, both gave permission to Ben Charrington to let people know that they were, in fact, diagnosed. And and Derek Shelton went and publicly thanked them for doing so and said, you know, but he also understands that he's going to be respectful of everything else. So that leads me to this, and I'm going to be really careful with how I word this, because I have no idea, zero idea, what Keone Kella's status is. I do know that Kella has not been on the field for the Pirates since they began summer camp. And remember, that was a week ago. So this has been for a while now. Derek Shelton confirmed that. Derek Shelton did not say why Kella was not out there. Now, for full context, Shelton didn't say that either when Jose Osuna wasn't out there until two days ago. And all that Osuna was waiting for Uh, as has been the case with, unfortunately, too many players in the majors right now, uh, was a test. Not a positive test, negative test, just the test. He needed the test results. They weren't going to allow him to participate unless he had the test results. Well, Osuna got his test results. He was able to get to Pittsburgh uh, after being holed up in a hotel for five days. Uh, He gets here. He was out there yesterday, mashed a ball uh, into the left field bleachers effortlessly. I am Team Osuna by the way. Just throwing that in there. Probably going to do that at every opportunity. Dude needs to play. But there's no Kella, and we don't know. We don't know what his status is. But that's also going to be part of the new world. Because it's not going to be your second or third or fourth thought. It's going to be your first thought. Let's face it. Especially when the manager doesn't say something like, well, he's feeling a little bit of elbow discomfort or his groin is acting up or something like that. Well, the manager says, I can't say, or I have no information on that. Or I, well, what else is it going to be? You know, it's going to be something that's related to that, either waiting on a test or having the condition or whatever it is. And in our business, we always walk a line with that stuff. Um, You're respectful of someone's privacy Um, we're not required to abide by any kind of HIPAA laws. That's, that's for doctors, 
That's actually what the HIPAA laws are. But at the same time, you use some common sense and you use some common decency with this sort of thing. And I hope everything is just great with Keone Kella and I hope he's out there, you know, later today and working out with a team and, and everything else here. We just don't know. We don't know. And I think I could say pretty much anything like, well, let's not even discuss this and let's not talk about it because it's not fair. We're going to. We're going to do that. We're going to do that not just with baseball. We're going to do it with hockey. We're going to do it with football. Every time someone's not around, we're going to be asking, did he get it? Did he get it? Who else might have gotten it? Oh, maybe this other guy that we haven't heard about in a couple of days. Maybe they were in a bar or together and they were doing it. We have no idea, but we're going to do that. And I don't know that we should feel completely terrible about it either. So I'm not wagging a finger. I'm just saying that it's going to be part of the new life in sports. Everyone who is participating made the decision to come back. And their union negotiated fairly, I think, to protect their privacy should they so choose. But I think those players and everyone else involved is going to have to also understand that on the other end, whether it's reporters, talk show hosts, fans, themselves, whatever it's going to be, we're going to talk about it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Coming up today at 3 p.m., Jeff Hartman will be bringing you a new episode of Back Through the Tunnel. Good show. Well worth your time. Every day, Jeff has another another member, excuse me, from our staff to talk about a single sports subject. So it's a little bit of a different type of show than this one, also a half hour long. Give it a listen. And again, please, set your podcast platforms to automatic downloads. Makes a big, big difference for us. Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast. Getting pretty good at naming these things. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your bike, your computer, your window, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home, car, and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you own a firearm, it's your responsibility to store it safely when it's not in use. Choose a system that works for you. Cable locks, lock boxes, and gun safes are some of the most effective ways to protect your family and keep firearms secured. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure and find out how to get a free firearm safety kit. Visit ProjectChildSafe.org. That's ProjectChildSafe.org. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance.